2: It's the first time we figured out how to create true property that you can take possession of with full custodial rights.
1: rights. Hey, what's going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Talking in Bits, the solo repetition. I believe this is number 41. And I appreciate all the listeners, the first-time listeners, the last-time listeners, the critiquers, the ones with good feedback, with love. I appreciate you all in the same because a guy like me from a place where I'm from rarely would ever get to be in a position where he has a platform where he can say whatever he wants about arguably one of the most important things, if not the most important thing in our lifetimes, and that is Bitcoin and the world around Bitcoin. As I've said previously, we always want to be bullish and talking about Bitcoin, and that's what we talk about most of the time, but I'm extremely fascinated on how Bitcoin inherently has caused Uh, everyday people to be able to look at other facets of their life and try to improve in those arenas. Sometimes it's food. Sometimes it's nutrition. Sometimes it's it's whatever in their media games. Sometimes people Bitcoin has just brought out the best in them because inherently it brings out the best thing in all of us. Uh, So welcome back to episode 41. If this is the first time you're listening, stick around, subscribe, rate, subscribe, uh, subscribe, rate, Tell a friend to tell a friend. Look at me mumbling words over here. So I'm going to get into a few topics as I tend to do here on Talking a Bits. Some of them are just, again... And then other ones are going to be uh, a little bit new, a little bit different. I don't try to be on the like high cutting edge media line of things. I try to like only pick out the things that actually strike me as curious or actually uh, inspire me or just make me scratch my head sometimes. And following the, the you know, the hotline on Bitcoin, uh, you guys can do that on Twitter. And that's not where you guys allow me of your time. Remember, these solo rips are meant to be con- consents, uh, condensed concise and be able to just give you some ammunition to go and have further conversations. So I'm going to go through a few of those topics and then... I'm going to do, uh, last night here, outside here at the Bitcoin Commons, I was able to do a solo rip live. Um, If you're ever in the Austin area, not only come and check out the Bitcoin Commons, because it's a beautiful location, uh, but come to ABC. Come to one of the meetups, because that's where you can make yourself even more bullish, more educated on Bitcoin. And I have the benefit of being able to be... Uh, in Austin, but around these big corners that are doing things. So uh, Michael Atwood from Oshi for the last two months has said, hey, man, I love the solo rip so much that you should definitely come and do a live solo rip for the ABC meetup uh, folks that come into town sometimes or that are from town. Uh, And I was more than happy to do it because, as you guys know, I love to talk my shit. Any opportunity that I get to do that, I love to do it. And as well, as you guys know, I don't really have any... Uh, Connections or anything Any relationships that I need to like be careful Or tiptoe around So I'm in an environment where I can say Probably things that most people can't say Especially maybe some of the OGs in Bitcoin Who have those relationships or whatever So because of this platform I'm able to do that I came last night and did that. And to finish off this solo rep, I'm going to basically give uh, talk about what I talked about yesterday, which I think is very important conversation in Bitcoin. Uh, And if we all expect Bitcoin to go where it is supposed to go, most of us are terrible at personal finance. And we like to and we know that the fiat dollar is dying and we know that it doesn't mean nothing. Um, But in the current day and the way we live in now, fiat is still 90 percent of the population and, and, and probably even more than that. So I wanted to talk a little bit about my experience and so, somewhat of the things that I talked about um, last night at ABZ. But without further ado, big announcement, big announcement, big announcement, big announcement. Wish I had some air horns, but I don't. Uh, Talking in Bits is now officially over 2 million sets. Uh, a round of applause I know, I should have some sound effects and stuff. The the roadcaster's over there, so I, I don't have any pads on me. Uh, but round of applause for the listeners. I appreciate you all. This actually happened last night during that, that conversation. I showed a slide that was basically a slide for y'all, letting the the people here at the commons know that you know this is an audience funded show 100% and that all those sats go back into open source contribution in the way of splits, open sats and Zeus wallet, which by the way, I didn't announce that, But we are now supporting the Seuss Wallet Development Fund. Uh, 5% of the show goes over to Zeus and Evan and everything that that team is doing over there. Seuss Wallet is an amazing wallet, especially if you use it in a non-custodial fashion. Um, I think, actually, that's the only way you can use it. But, if you're set up to do that, right? Like, if you have a node and you do that whole process, Seuss is really good. Check out that main chain episode so you can learn about how to connect to that wallet faster and a little bit more about what they got going over there. But Talking in Bits is now supporting all the devs that are part of OpenSats and also so the Seuss Wallet Development Fund, uh, and I love the fact that the listeners and me and we all just give back to the developers because they deserve it the most. They're the ones that create these cool apps, tools and and uh, products that we could use Bitcoin with and and, and uh, get more closer to Bitcoin, hyper, uh, you know, uh, a Bitcoin universe. Uh, so, yeah. Shout out to y'all! Two million sets talking a bits. That's really impressive in a day and age where value for value is still kind of finding its footing. In a day and age where it's hard for people to justify getting rid of some sets, and I appreciate every single one of you that has donated uh, those sets in order to do that. So when I slow, when I showed this, uh, man, I'm all mumbling words here today, y'all. When I showed the slide, we were at like one point uh, nine. Nine, really close to 2 million sats. And somebody actually in the crowd went ahead and boosted 70,000 sats to get us over that 2 million sat mark. Uh, And another person boosted. Uh, So I appreciate you. If you're a listener of the show, if you were there last night, I believe it was Camper, uh, and I believe it was Sean Dunn, uh, on um, Fountain. Both of y'all got us over the 2 million mark, but this goes to every single one of y'all. Listen, I understand what Bitcoin means to us. I understand what it means to you, um, and and I don't take it lightly when you send even two sats, one sat, over to the show. You're giving me your time. You're sharing your, with me your sats, and I think that's an amazing thing, and it just says more a lot about you. It does say a lot about what signal I'm giving in this content, but it definitely speaks highly of you. So I wish I had a, a sound effect machine here so I could give y'all some claps, but this wouldn't be possible without you. Two million sats to see how fast we could get to three million sats. That's the goal. That's what we need to do. Uh, let's keep doing that. Uh, and let's keep, and hopefully I could keep providing that signal. So I'm just going to get into it here because I always say these are supposed to be concise and then you guys let Jose go on his shit. Um, uh, But I wanted to cover a few things here Uh, The first one is not really related to the other ones But this is something that Gigi put up here uh, And I love anytime Gigi puts up It's no secret for any Talking in Bits listener That Gigi is one of the most inspirational people to me in Bitcoin And I learned the most from Bitcoin I've had him on the show a few times Go check out both of those episodes with Gigi Because they're fascinating And he is an amazing, amazing individual uh, An amazing advocate and speaker for Bitcoin Also check out the Odell series, uh, Freedom is Money uh, high-quality Odell content. I love it. It's beautiful content. And uh, he had Der uh, Gigi on there uh, with a pillowcase over his head, but we all know G what Gigi's about. But this post from Gigi basically says, are you paying attention? And this is in the World Economic Forum, which we know all the weird shit is happening there, but I want y'all to listen to this.
0: ...about when it comes to doing something like... Mon-
1: Let me start from the beginning. Well, does the
0: same analysis hold true if instead of trying to monitor whether a person is falling asleep or awake, we decide that we wanna monitor their attention levels to see whether or not they're paying attention and being productive. I would argue, maybe not. How many of you wear something like an Apple Watch? Fitbit smart device?
1: I've been guilty of that. Many
0: people, it's a many billion dollar company. I mean, many billion dollar industry at this point. Wearable devices, quantifiable, self is just a widespread movement. Most people are very comfortable with at least some forms of human quantification. In fact, it's become so widespread that most people feel like there's not that much to worry about when it comes to doing something like monitoring your heart rate. But it turns out that that kind of technology in the workplace, particularly when it's used to monitor productivity of employees, where they're moving throughout the factory floor, whether or not they're taking breaks or unscheduled breaks, is the kind of thing that employees resist, unionize against, rise up against, and undermines morale. What we've seen consistently is companies from Amazon to Tesco to Walmart and others have introduced what is considered to be bossware or surveillance technology that employees really don't like it even if it makes their lives better. Okay, well, if you don't like your job, just quit. But what if there's nowhere to go? What if everywhere has ubiquitous monitoring? In fact, during the pandemic, what we found was that 80% of companies admitted that they use at least some forms of so-called bossware technology to monitor the productivity of their employees. Whether it's a white collar uh, employee, monitoring was on their screen, or in any other context, surveillance is part of our everyday lives. Surveillance for productivity is part of what has become the norm in the workplace and maybe with good reason. Nine out of 10 employees waste time during the workday. They focus on other things. There may be good reasons why we want to be able to find better ways to monitor whether somebody is paying attention. All right, well does the same- These
1: people are fucking sick. Fucking sick. Now the problem is is that, well there's a lot of problems there, but they cater to a subset population that are on the upper tier of what I call the 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 societal funnel right they're speaking to not me the average person maybe not your parents maybe not they're speaking to I'm just going to use him in as an example but the Jeff Bezos of the world this lady is basically saying you will be surveilled and you will like it and if you don't like it you will quit your job but then this is and we've heard things like this before but this is where it gets really crazy what happens if we build a world where even quitting your job and opting out of what that job is doing to you when it comes to surveillance is not possible because you will be surveilled anyways, everywhere. We're talking about street, and this is already happening, so this isn't even a secret. They're just getting more confident about telling people that. right? So like they're talking about even if you were to quit your job, as soon as you walk out of that job, camera's on your ass. Cameras from your phone. Microphones. What are you doing next? Where are you going? Are you being productive? What are you doing? Right? And this always goes and ties back into that damn social credit score that people can, Bitcoiners continue to talk about that is absolutely a reality. So now if I quit my job, I get a ding in my credit score. Now if I go to another job, that job sees the ding in my credit score and then digs me again or doesn't even give me the position. So I have to be surveilled and I have to like it according to these monsters and these Weird fucks, right? You will you will you will have nothing and be happy. You will be surveilled and be happy. You will have no families and be happy. You will have no real food and be happy. You will have burnt money and be happy. They basically will are telling you that no matter what you do, they will win. It's like they're pay- playing this high-stakes game of chess with your life that you're not even involved in. You didn't even. Decide to play chess with anybody, but they're forcing you to play chess with them, and they're playing these damn games. And this is where security is extreme, um, uh, secure- censorship resistant security tools are very important, and the people are taking it lightly, right? And we can start with the basic stuff like Signal, but use any of it, make yourself harder to get because these people ain't playing around, these are like multi-millionaires and billionaires uh, attending to these conferences and they they see you as sheep. They see you as a, like in the matrix, they see you as like a battery power source. Their business will only work if they make you sweat and break your ass off in order to make their business work. They figured out now that we're starting our own businesses because we know our own worth and we know our own value. So now they're making it harder for you to go and do that. And they're going to try to tunnel you back into doing it their way so that they can do things in in whatever weird dystopia scenario that they want to do. Right. And then we've heard all I mean, I've listened to many podcasts where we talk about infertility and women and we talk about the low testosterone. Like they really want you to be nothing but a worker and a slave for them. And now they're telling you that they will watch every single second of what you do at your day job. If you take your break to go and do something to call your wife or whatever, well, guess who knows who you're on the phone with, right? Because eventually these apps just get connected with each other. So your work app is now going to be in cahoots with Apple somewhere in the background uh, or Google somewhere in the background. And they're going to share data about who you're calling and what you're doing at what time. And they're going to do this, like I said, in a game that you're not even involved in. You didn't even opt into it. They because they think it's better for you, decided to opt you into this game. What the fuck is going on and what is that? We need to really be careful, my people. We really need to take this stuff into consideration. Um, they just released a mobile version of Keat which is a a whole punch software. I'm still learning about this stuff, but it's, you know, direct peer to peer relays. I'm still working on my embassy suite at home to try to make sure that my communication with my wife is still clean back and forth off of their servers. But we really need to, you know, uh, I got an upcoming conversation with Madex where we talk about uh, the start nine. And we really need to pay attention to these companies that are actually providing us the solutions to avoid this type of Censorship, this type of uh, uh, infringement, this type of, you know, basically just surveillancing. We need to pay much attention to those products, contribute to those products, help those products as much as we can, because those are the products that are going to give us the tools. And those are the developers that are actually noticing this while we sit around in our couches and continue to be surveilled. We know that they do this, but most of us don't care. Convenience is a fucking bitch. But we need to wake up because they're doing it. Right. And not only are they doing it, they have an incentive to continue to do it. And they have a consensus consensus to continue to to push fiat dollars on you. And that's what I'm going to move on here next. Now, I'm not saying that Dalio is part of the World Economic Forum or any connection there. But if you listen to this from Dalio, another Dalio quote, right? You can see this disconnect between what's happening in Bitcoin and what's happening uh, uh, in this movement. And, and the disconnect between i I'll talk about it after let's hear what dalio how dalio just doesn't really get it
2: uh uh curious crypto curious okay where 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 do you, has anything changed for you in uh, um uh, yeah just to everybody what, what, let me say what I believe about crypto went um Bitcoin and what I've I, you know pretty much uh always been. I think it's been, you know, quite amazing that for 12 years it's accomplished. But I think it has no relation to anything. Okay. in other words, it moves. It has no relation. It's a tiny thing that gets a disproportionate attention. You know, the value of crypto uh, crypto. Uh, Bitcoin is less than a third of the value of Microsoft stock. You could go into industries, but right. biotech and many other industries are more interesting than Bitcoin. It's not going to be an effective money. It's not an effective storeholder wealth. It's not an effective medium of exchange, but we are in a world in which money as we know it is in jeopardy, right? We are printing too much. And mm-hmm. it's not just the United States, all the reserve currencies, the, what's going on in Euroland, what's going on in yen. And so in that world, the question is, what is money and how is that going to operate? So when we look at something like China's RMB, and then you take the digital RMB. Um, I think you're going to see that become more and more a thing. So when when things start to open up in an evolutionary way, people are going to start to say, where is my safe uh, storeholder wealth? And as you have China denominate more of its trade in RMB, then naturally uh, those who are going to
1: hold okay. renminbi, if Saudi, I'm going to cut his ass short. Tell me you don't know shit about Bitcoin without telling me that you don't know shit about Bitcoin. I'll wait. We just heard it, but I'll wait. You can leave me a boost and you let me know if if this person, if Ray Dalio is onto something here or if he is just completely upside down in his education, right? But I have an even bigger theory than that, which is what I was leaning into before I played that clip, is is that I really think there's two things playing out here. This is just a massive, massive incentive from an individual that has benefited from the fiat system for the majority, if not all, of their life, right? That's assumption one. That's this individual that's basically swimming in money and has no appreciation for what broken money is to broken people, right? To people that are broken because of the money. And then the second one to me is just age, right? Like when, when you know, I, I was telling my, my mom or my parents to, hey, I want that new flip phone that has this 30 mega, not 30 at the time, but whatever megapixel camera and all that. They were looking at me like, fam, are you stupid? Like, what are you talking about? That phone does the same exact thing that my does, my phone does. And then they would show me the simple brick that could play Snake. I ain't going to try to hit on Snake. Oh, I ain't going to try to hit on the Nokia. I actually had one of those when I was growing up. But you guys get my point. Our parents were just disconnected in that, in that sense. So I have a hard time understanding what the difference is here from side to side. Is it that he is just generationally disconnected and doesn't understand that we have now the money of the future? You can't say that it doesn't work as money because it works as money every single day. right? I use it to get haircuts. I use it to go to the barbershop. I use it to trade. I use it to to, to earn money for my video business. What are you, What are you talking about? It doesn't work as money. And then he says it doesn't work as a store of wealth, but that's what it does, if not the best. One of the best properties of Bitcoin is the storage of wealth, is the ability to store it and not have it confiscated or not have it um, be debased or anything like that. So I have no idea which one of these two is, but I'm starting to like question that. Like, when I listen to them, that's my my thought process. They're either completely disconnected and boost. Boost down below and let me know what it is that you think it is that, 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 that it is. Is it that he's generationally disconnected? Or is it that he has so much incentive to keep pumping this bullshit dollar because he's benefited from it his whole life that he knows but to do that? That's all he has left. Just like that's all these politicians have left, right? Like, if I had $10 billion, what the hell would be my incentive to tell you that my $10 billion is worth shit? And that it's a belief system. That's where I'm coming from. So I want to know the answer. I want to know what you think. Maybe it's a mixture of both. But you can't say the things that you say and say that, oh, the 12 years, I've been amazed at what it does. And then go on this, like, tangent about, like, what it lacks and what it does and doesn't do this and doesn't do that. And then start talking about bullshit, digital tokens and all that stuff. You are completely fucking disconnected. And it's very strange that they continue to be uninformed. Right? And these are, like... Who, who our parents look up to for information and respect and, and like these individuals just continue to play this crazy game. Go talk to somebody that knows, go learn something new, go figure out why it is that, you know, that th- that it continues to grow. That, that little market cap that he was talking about is so small. Why does that continue to grow? And why do people continue to build on Bitcoin? And why do these companies keep coming up? And why do these banks continue to set their foundations and their layers? Why explain that to me? I don't think you can. And that's the problem that you're having. And that's why you sound like a goof every time uh, people like him are up there. Because it doesn't make any sense to somebody like me who's saying this solves remittance. Lightning is instant settlement. I pay for everyday goods with this and I will continue to get better at it. Very strange. But I encourage you to boost me down below and just let me know what it is that you think in that scenario. But I think it's buffoonery here. Um, And just to go back to another one of these fossils here. Let me go back to my notes here. Um, I don't have a clip of this, but you know, Jamie Dimon, right? He was just on there and he was just basically, uh, one of these, uh, I I'll try to look it up for y'all, but CNN, one of these, and basically was just out there being a goof and not understanding what he doesn't understand and talking about what he doesn't understand. So basically his to TLDR, the conversation, uh, he basically just said, Hey, how do we know that, that, that 21 million is going to be enforced? That's what he was telling the other, uh, the, the host of the show. Nobody knows that that's going to be enforced. What if it turns to in 2? but all he really needs to do is just do a little bit of information and understand how distributed networks and consensus work, but okay. Maybe he doesn't understand that. So, I read Parker Lewis's most recent piece to Jamie Diamond to that conversation, and it blew me away the approach that Parker took. Matter of fact, I love this type of Parker. I love when they give Parker the easy jump shot and he just goes right at it because he can uh, navigate those two worlds perfectly. And I mean, like, Financial econ- e- economics with Bitcoin, and he does that very well. So every time these guys are up there bo- uh, goofing themselves, I always think, like, what's Parker thinking right now? And he came out with this, this, uh, um, the, the, this little short read uh, that was basically explaining to Diamond and anybody else that's wondering um, that every 10 minutes, we actually have verifiable proof that the 20, 21 million is intact. So although the last uh, coin is not meant to be mined for the next hundred years or so, we still have this verifiable proof, right, every 10 minutes when a block is mined. So every th- if you want to know if the, if the consensus is being held, if 21 million is going to be held, you just have to wait to the next block that gets mined. And the reason being is, is because we know how much new Bit- Bitcoin is minted on every block. Right now, I believe it's 625 That's the the block reward for being able to find a block. So in the past, I believe it was in 2019, according to Parker, somebody accidentally, or maybe not, actually tried to mint a block that was more than the actual reward payout. It was about 12.5 at the time. Somebody tried to put one in for 13. And guess what? The network just rejected that block, continued to find the correct block with the correct reward, and we kept chugging along. Right. So I'm over here thinking like, well, we know because of consensus and we know because your node has to agree in mine. And Parker just kept it nice and simple and was like, you know what? You know, every 10 minutes because we stick to the same release schedule or the same. There's an actual a logical term for that, but the same exact amount being minted every 10 minutes. And we know that. So if in the next 10 minutes, if you're listening to the show and in the next 10 minutes, you get more than 6.25 uh, right now in 2023, because I don't know when you're listening to the show then something's wrong, right? And that's when all Bitcoiners should question, well, what the hell? Why is it more? And, you know, is it, are we going to stick to 21 million? Because the scarcity of Bitcoin is extremely important. So I found that extremely fascinating. But that goes back to just continue to talk about these older, I don't, I don't even know what to call them, buffoons, that continue to just either not be educated or just have way too much incentive to continue to keep resuscitating the dollar and continue to bring it up and continue to say... Um, that we already have a system and we already have money that works. Well, it works for you, motherfucker, but it doesn't work for the majority of the people. And that's what those guys don't understand, nor do I think they care to understand it. All right. So I'm going to wrap up this solo rip with the conversation that I was having Um I'm going to I have ordinals here and for for but I'm not going to get into ordinals too much because to be transparent I need to do a little bit more research on this maybe I'll have it on the next solo rep uh maybe I'll get somebody in here that really understands it but man the idea of NFTs on the Bitcoin blockchain although I know that the Bitcoin blockchain can do things like NFTs better than any other chain can I'm still extremely worried about now people spending Bitcoin for JPEG monkeys. And I don't mean literal JPEG monkeys, but that's what it can turn into. And then the rug pulling that can happen in those scenarios. I repeat, I don't know much, but let's keep an eye on this Ordinals thing because I do have it here on my list, but I need to learn more about it. And the TLDR is NFTs on, uh, on the Bitcoin blockchain. If you know more about Ordinals and you want to sum it up for me real quick, just drop a boost down below and let me know, and I'll talk about it in the next episode, or I'll get somebody who really knows about it on the main chain episodes. But uh, and if you know that person, just tag them down below and let me know, and we'll try to set something up. But this is a little bit weird to me. Possible because of Taproot, so we see some innovation. But at this and and, and the, the like, what I saw, what played out with covenants, and what's happening with this, this is going to be a weird thing to try to bring up, and a weird thing to people even try to want. But we're going to see, you know, I, I early in this show, like way back to first 10 episodes, we talked about this like holographic charizard. Like if I can get one of those digitally and I know it's the only one or I know there's only one of 100. What would I pay for that? Uh, or the Michael Jordan mint rookie card? What would I pay for that? Does this solve that problem? I, I don't know, but I we need to figure that out for sure. All right. Wrapping it up here, y'all. Don't want to keep y'all here forever. I do respect the time or whatever. By the way, those that congratulated me on 40 solo rips on the last uh, episode uh, by boosting, I appreciate y'all. Yeah, 40 is a big milestone. We're going to keep pushing. Uh, the Talking in Bits as a whole is about 130 episodes, 131 episodes. We're going to keep it pushing. We're not going to slow down anytime soon. We may even add some episodes. So just letting y'all know. But before I move on there. So last night at ABC, the topic was personal finance and Bitcoin. And the idea, the philosophy behind that is that most of us in our fiat dollar world are just really bad at personal finance. And if you were there last night, then you can go ahead and fast forward this section. I'm going to kind of repeat some of the things I said last night. Um, But if you weren't, then this is a lot of value for you because I agree with this. So I'm a kid that grew up from a rough neighborhood. Right. And what's typical in the rough neighborhoods is you know, there is no money management. Fast money is the incentive in the neighborhoods that I grew up in, right? The hustlers had the cars, had the jewelry, had the ladies, right? Like that, that they had that. So me as a young dude, I didn't look up to the banker, right? I didn't look up to the CEO. I looked at the hustler because he was having all of that, right? And he was doing it right there in my own neighborhood, or they were doing it right there in my own neighborhood. Now, unfortunately, what you usually don't get is that the hustler's they don't, they don't function with this system, so they usually end up getting either, you know, tax evasion charges or something like that, or they just don't have personal finance embedded in them. They don't know what to do with that money. Most of us from our neighborhoods don't even know what to do with money because we never had it, and our parents never had it. But um, what that ended up doing was teaching me a lot of bad personal finance, and I struggled with that all the way in my teens, uh, all the way into my 20s when I started to build a family with my wife, right? So, like, I, I, I just kept struggling, check to check. Couldn't get out of that rut. It was just this constant thing, right? And I tried everything, right? Like, that, you naturally go on the internet, bad idea, and you try to, you know, what are you investing? 401ks, uh, REITs, uh, uh, you name it, uh, emergency fund, all this stuff, a high interest bearing savings account. And what I figured out is, you know, and I, I just still kept living check to check, and I couldn't figure out what the hell was going on, right? But in that journey, I discovered Bitcoin. And what Bitcoin taught me, scarcity, you know, um, supply cap, ownership of wealth, uh, um, all this stuff, right? Money. It taught me about money. It taught me about currency. It taught me about finances. And what that did was is, you know, it, it basically allowed me to... Uh, it, it also did another thing. It allowed me to realize that most of the hard work that I was doing and my wife was doing and living touch check to wasn't, check wasn't necessarily my fault. It just showed... Bitcoin showed me how flawed that fiat system is, the incentives are in that fiat system is and how they keep you in the rat race purposely, right? So how these tools like high interest bearing savings account that our parents have just didn't don't exist anymore, right? Now you get a 0.1% or something like that in a savings account. So like those old rules didn't apply because that system was flawed and I was trying to play in a flawed system with no advantages to, to me. So I got to Bitcoin, right? And one would think with all the stuff I learned and all that, yeah, I started stacking hard and I started going you know, uh, into Bitcoin 100%. But this is another part of personal finances, especially as Bitcoiners, that we need to pay attention to. Just because we know Bitcoin is going to win doesn't mean that we're winning right now. And we get really emotional about Bitcoin and we get really cut up on Bitcoin. And then we go ahead and we put a hundred in Bitcoin, which at the moment, the way things are right now, it's not the best strategy for personal finance. Yeah, I said it. And I consider myself a maxi. I consider myself somebody who knows we're going to win, who's overpaid for Bitcoin because of long, you know, the long term because of all these things. But I have to be perfectly honest with you. And the perfect example is, is when I moved to Austin and I talked about this and around those solo rips around that time, I basically was 100 percent in Bitcoin. We decided to move. Right. We ordered the the trucks. We ordered this, all that, because, hey, I was about to sell a house. I was about to just come up on some really good amount of fiat. I could just pay all those cards off. But then that house was not sold right away. right? And my wife and I had this situation and the market crashed, the Bitcoin market crashed right at the same time. So my wife and I were sitting in this situation where it's like we either lose the majority of our Bitcoin, if not all of it, to stay afloat, or we got to just continue to get loans, right? And the reason for that is because I was so emotional about Bitcoin that I went 100 in Bitcoin and never actually built a safety net for myself and my family, which is just a bad idea. That's just bad personal finance, Right. Now, the story ended up being okay. I didn't lose all my Bitcoin or or any of that. And, you know, things are great now and all that. But it just makes me realize that now when I get a big amount of money, I really have to square out how much of that is going to be Bitcoin and how much of that is going to stay as fiat. When before, it would have been like none of this is staying as fiat. And that actually becomes much more difficult because all of us Bitcoiners know what's happening to the dollar. So holding on to fiat for a long time is also a bad idea. So this broken money is making me go more into Bitcoin, which makes more logical sense. But, you know, in an emergency situation, this world still operates on fiat dollars. And that's very important for us to keep in mind. So Bitcoin is money, just like fiat is money. We need to practice the same exact thing, especially most of us who, if Bitcoin is to do what it's supposed to do, are going to find ourselves buying Lamborghinis and buying some stupid shit and losing all of that we've built to get. So I wanted to leave this episode with that because I think it's extremely important and I think we do get really emotional when it comes to our Bitcoin and our finances and we really shouldn't. We should make sure that we're doing the right thing, especially if we have a family. If you have a business, you also got to keep some liquid fiat on the books in order to be able to, you know, pass a COVID or pass a rough patch where you're not getting any business. And maybe somebody out there that's listening is thinking, well, you could just liquidate your Bitcoin. All right, but when you buy it up here, all right? And then you need the money when it's down here. You're going to liquidate and you're going to lose out on that. And all the tax incursions and comes with all that all that good stuff. Make sure you do the right thing. I don't know what your split is. I don't know if it's 60-40. I don't know what it is. It should definitely be favorable to Bitcoin. Um, that's a decision you, your family, have to make for yourselves. But you have to realize that you could get wrecked. And you could lose all your Bitcoin for trying to be 100% in Bitcoin. And that's not doing nobody no favors. Not you, not me. Well, it might be doing me a favor because then I just go in and swoop your Bitcoin. <laughs> just playing. But you guys get the point. So that's what I want to leave y'all with. That wraps up solo rep number 41. As always, I appreciate every single one of you. Um, Man, getting over 2 million sats. When I started Valley for value, I, you know, didn't think I would get there as fast as we got there. But it's all because of you and I appreciate it. You know where to check us out at. Uh, uh, out. You know where to check us out at. Sorry, y'all. Uh, Fountain, Breeze, any podcast 2.0 app. I talked to Evan about Echo. You can stream sets through that. That's a podcast player right through your node. Uh, go check that out. But any of those work. Uh, Bitcoin TV for video, for all this 4K stuff. If you're on the legacy outlets, I still appreciate you. But make yourself a little bit more known. Uh, share, rate, uh, subscribe Leave comments on YouTube Leave comments on, on the iPod Wherever your favorite player is But move over to the Bitcoin standard Because that's how you can contribute That's how you can continue the signal coming And the education coming Let me know who it is you want on the show The main chain episodes are back uh, And I'm starting to feel more in my bag, And I'm starting to feel talking a bits Be the product, the content That I always wanted it to be uh, And I'm very excited for that For you and for myself I'll check you all next week Check out the main chain episode with Madex, depending on when you're listening to this. It's going to be a good one. Check out the last one with Evan from Zeus, depending on when you're listening to this, because that's a really great conversation as well. Until next time, peace.